This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill, session number 19. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thanks for being here today, everyone. Before we jump into the show today, I wanted to share an awesome resource with the listeners of the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. I've developed a guide that will help you save $1,000 without leaving the comfort of your home. You can stay in your pajamas. (laughs) I'm calling it the three steps to 1K challenge. This workbook is broken down into three simple steps, and it'll help you get a jumpstart on your savings or paying off some debt or just simply putting some money back in your pocket. I'll be sending out the guide in mid-March, but it's only available to subscribers of the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. If you're interested in receiving this excellent resource for free please go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash join. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash join. All right, back to the show. I've been doing a lot of research and interviews lately about financial independence and early retirement. I guess I'm inspired. Color me inspired. (laughs) The idea of not having a full-time job eventually, earlier in my life, not like 59 and a half, sounds pretty appealing to me. You might say to me as I'm, you know, talking this way, Andy, there's no way I couldn't have a full-time job in the area I live in. I have to pay my mortgage. I like to eat healthy. I need to have health insurance. It's just too expensive. Higher cost areas like New York, D.C., Chicago, or the Bay Area come to mind when we're talking about higher cost of living places. Even though these are some of the most expensive places to live in in the U.S., our guest today proves that early retirement can be feasible even if you're in one of these high-rent areas. Dylan Redling and his wife Allison have lived in the Bay Area for the last 20 years. Although they've seen a lot of ups and downs in the cost of living and the housing market over their time in Northern California... Their money-smart way of living has allowed them to retire in their early 40s. And now they are enjoying a life of sleeping in, eating healthy food, exercising, and traveling around the world together. In our interview today, I asked Dylan how he came to retire comfortably in his early 40s and how he'll stay retired. (laughs) And then what retirement life is like? What is a typical day in Dylan's life? And lastly, what advice would he have for those that are interested in early retirement? All right, let's jump into the conversation with the Northern California early retiree, Dylan Redling. How you doing, Dylan? I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Excellent, excellent. Dylan, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, 
as you mentioned, my name is Dylan Redling, and I have a wonderful wife named Allison. Um, we've been together 21 years. Uh, we moved to Northern California together from New York. Um, we've been married for 16 of those years, and uh, we've got two 18-year-old Siamese cats. <laughs> nice. So where do you guys live right now, uh, just so we can get an idea of, uh, of your lives? Sure. So we live in Oakland, California. Um, we moved over here from San Francisco about three years ago. And uh, one of the reasons we did that is Oakland's a really great up and coming um, city. It's got some really cool neighborhoods like the one we live in called Jack London Square. It's right by the water. And when we moved over here, the cost of living, uh, the cost of our home was about half of what we had paid in San Francisco. Nice. Nice. Yes. And I, I understand Oakland's a, a great place to choose if you're uh, wanting to be near the, the Bay Area, but uh, the, the downtown San Francisco area is getting quite crowded and quite expensive. So, yeah, I completely understand that. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, so you retired at 43 years old. Is that right? That is correct. So how, how old are you now? I actually just turned 46. Very cool. Last Congra- week. Well, happy, ber- <laughs> happy belated birthday, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, what, so we talk about retirement. What does that mean for you? What, is, what does being retired mean for you? And, and I guess, why, why did you want to retire early? Yeah, so actually, Allison and I, like I said, we kind of stumbled into this early retirement. We had always planned on retiring somewhat early, but in our minds, that was more like in our fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would have asked me f- 10 or even five years ago, if I was going to retire at 43, I would have said, no way. Um, I'm still working. I'm in the hot internet startup industry and it doesn't, you know, n- who retires in their forties? Nobody, or at least as far as I was concerned, I didn't know anybody who had, um, and so what really spurred it for us was we coincidentally both got laid off from our jobs and we were working in the, uh, internet tech sector. So there's a lot of, um, you know, layoffs are not that, uh, uncommon. It, it had happened to me a few times over the years, but it was the first time it happened to both of us at the same time. And we looked at it as a good thing. Like, Hey, let's take this time to, um, travel and just enjoy ourselves for a few months. And those few months turned into six months sabbatical, which turned into after a year looking at our finances and saying, hey, we just, you know, really don't need to go back to work again. And from there, we just decided we're going to be retired. Okay, cool. So, so tell me a little bit about the job you, you were having before you made the retirement choice. Sure. So... I was always a marketing guy. So I was an online marketing director Mm -hmm. for um, several different internet startups. I started in that industry in the late 1990s. So, you know, 15 years or so plus. Um, And I worked at a a number of different tech companies. Some of the bigger ones, um, Monster was one that actually bought a company that I was working at. A company called Lumosity, which was uh, and still does brain games mm-hmm. online. Yep. And another one that you, your listeners might be familiar with is Basis, which is a um, it's like Fitbit, but it's a, it's a watch. And they were bought by Intel. Okay. So there's just a few examples of places that I worked over the years. Very cool. So you said uh, you you guys were both laid off during that time frame when when things things were in a bit of a downturn. Uh, it sounds like you had some 
I guess, emergency fund saved up for that point in order to take a six-month sabbatical. It sounds like you're maybe a frugal guy or, or, or uh, had some good savings before that. Could you tell us a little bit about your savings plans that led up to that to allow you to take that long sabbatical? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, Allison and I are both, like you said, we're both pretty frugal. She she grew up in a very frugal household. Uh, I personally did not. So So she taught me the art, if you will, of not being uh, frivolous with your money and really, um, you know, not overspending and, and at the same time enjoying life and, you know, not living like a miser. So she really brought that frugality into our relationship from a very early, um, period of time. And both of us, because we were working and, you know, we both had college degrees and halfway decent jobs. We just started putting money away in our, you know, twenties, mid to late twenties. And as you know, time is, is your greatest asset when you're investing. And we started with just some retirement accounts with our companies, 401k accounts. Um, then we, then, you know, once we maxed those out, we added IRAs on our own. And then from there, we just started investing even more money on our own. Um, and the, the, you know, with compound interest and with dollar cost averaging, we just ended up with a decent nest egg at the end of the you know, the 15 plus years. Excellent. So the, the amount of the nest egg that you guys developed, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Mr. Money Mustache on the, uh, the Tim Ferriss show, uh, this morning, yeah. he had an opportunity to interview him and he was talking about, uh, trying to amass enough money to have 25 times your annual expenses. Did you, did you follow along with that type of methodology? How much did you amass to, to, to do this? <laughs> So that's interesting. So I am familiar with Mr. Mustache. Yeah. And as I once I retired, I started researching early retirement a little bit more. And that's when I created retireby45.com. And mm -hmm. I started, you know, just understanding a little bit more about some of the rules of thumb, like the multiply by 25 rule, the 4% rule and things like that. Mm -hmm. When we retired, I didn't know about any of those rules. I, I, you know, I just sort of did the math on my own. And as it turns out, we, our multiplier is like 50 or more. And so the funny thing is my wife, she's so frugal and she's so, um, conservative. Like sometimes she'll be like, do we have enough? And I'm like, yeah, I think we're, I think we're doing okay. I mean, most people <laughs> sort of aim for half of that. So that's good. It's that's kind of good. funny. So you guys are on the higher end, uh, closer to the 50 times. That's good. That's very cool. Okay. So you mentioned, um, I was reading your, your, your blog, retire by 45, um, and you mentioned retiring in your 40s is a little bit more realistic or feasible than doing it in your 30s. Um, why is that? Well, for, for us, living in the Bay Area, it's such an expensive place to live that we, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had a, a really solid nest egg. And I think the other reason really is that in your 30s, at least from my experience, is the heart of your income producing years. Um, it's when you've probably gotten a few promotions and you're at the top of your game, so to speak. And you're still somewhat young enough that you haven't really burned out on your career. Um, but what happens is, at least from my experience, you hit your 40s and I'm in a pr kind of a young person's industry, so I can't speak to everybody. But um, you start to feel like, you know, you're a little bit old for the industry. You start to get a little bit stressed out and dealing with the commute every day and dealing with crazy bosses. 
Um, you know, and, and by the time you're in your 40s, you've amassed hopefully a nice little nest egg. So had we tried to do this in our 30s, I don't think we would have had enough money. Um, we probably could have made it, but um, we really just wanted to be a little bit more careful. And and again, we were just in our in our peak earning years and we didn't want to we didn't want to step off that train just yet. Very cool. So let's talk about that nest egg a little further. Um, most people, when they're saving, you mentioned 401k or Roth IRA. Um, you know, the government talks about utilizing these types of things, but not until we're like 59 and a half or in our 60s or something like that. How did you take advantage of, uh, you know, saving for your retirement, but then still being able to utilize these retirement funds? Well, so we, um, we actually had several different income streams. So we had both of our jobs and I also had a side business that I ran for about five years, which at one point was making more money than my regular job. So we were fortunate. We had a lot of income coming in. So not only did we have 401ks, we had IRAs. Then we had a what's called a SEP IRA, which is a business IRA. Mm-hmm. I had that set up for my side business. So we had, we had all these different uh, retirement funds. But then we also just started investing in um, stocks and bonds and mutual funds on our own, not not retirement funds per se, Mm -hmm. but just investing our own money. And that money is money we can take out any time. We don't have to wait until we're 60, 65 to take out that money. So it's like a separate Um, separate brokerage account that you guys have. Yeah, exactly. And so that account is actually probably as big or bigger than our retirement fund. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I, you know, we're kind of fortunate um, but it's really a two pronged approach. We had these multiple income streams and we've been frugal with our expenses and it just really allowed us to build up this nest egg. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of it's not in traditional or Roth IRAs, a lot of it is, but, um, we don't really have to worry about tapping into those until we're at that retirement age. So you have, you have, <laughs> cause it's retirement is a funny, funny word to use in this situation because we're talking about your retirement funds, which you'll be using later in your retirement, later retirement. But then we also have funds that you're utilizing to live your life now in retirement that you're use, using in your brokerage account. Is that right? Exactly. Okay, cool. So I, I'm just following along here. I'm making little, making little boxes on my, on my uh, sheet here to, yeah, to follow yeah, along. Of so the, let's talk about the brokerage account a little bit. Obviously, you, you um, took advantage of the, the tax-advantaged uh, accounts with uh, 401ks, Roth IRAs, things like that to save for uh, later on retirement. In the brokerage account, do you have a, uh, a company that you like working with? I, I think you've mentioned Vanguard in the past. Is that, is that who you like working with? Yeah, um, I do. I I have accounts with a number of different um, brokerage firms, but I do prefer Vanguard. I think our my very first one was with E Trade, mm-hmm. with a, a company four hundred one k, and then I think I also had a Schwab account in the early years. Um, somebody turned me on to Vanguard about ten twelve years ago, and and I just liked everything about them. They they have low fees. They have great products. Um, they have great service. And so once I, once I got into Vanguard, I started really investing a lot of my money there. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, they have some really good target retirement funds Mm -hmm. that just make it a little bit easier to sort of do lazy, uh, investing. Yep. I, I know they're really popular right now, but I got into them kind of in their, when they first came out, um, prior to that, I remember trying to figure out where to invest my money. And when I was really um, starting out, I was putting money in like 10 to 12 different funds because I, I, I knew 
I knew that diversification was a good idea, but I didn't know much more than that. And yeah. so my thought was, okay, I'll just divide it up by like 12 and put it in all 12 different funds that are available in this mm-hmm. retirement account. Um, now looking back on that strategy, it, you know, it didn't really make much sense, but <clears throat> um, I think Vanguard came out. I don't know if Vanguard w- were the ones that created this type of account, but um, they were certainly the ones that I I came upon it um, with. And so I started investing pretty aggressively in terms of like a, a far out target date initially. But now what I do is I um, I invest in, I think the, the last rollover that I did was I rolled over some money from an, another account like E-Trade or something into Vanguard, but I put it into a 2015 retirement target retirement fund. Got it. So it's for folks who actually have already retired. So it's right. a little bit more conservative, obviously. Got it. So it's less volatile. There'll be more bonds in that and, and, and less less equity. Right. Okay, cool. That makes a lot of sense. So you can still do the target date funds even though you've passed your quote unquote retirement age right now as you're as you're moving forward. Okay. I, I, I see where you're going there. So I understand a little bit uh, that you jumped into rental real estate as well as part of your um, your um, savings plan. Can you tell us a little bit about that too? Yeah, sure. So I got into real estate pretty early on. Um, I'd say in my, my late 20s. And the, the reason I got into it was my first internet job was working for an online mortgage broker, and they were called Home Shark, which everybody always laughed about. They sounded like, <laughs> sounded like Loan Shark, right? <laughs> Needless to say, they're no longer in business. <laughs> Bad but, name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it got me interested in real estate. It got my uh, my interest peaked, and uh, Allison and I decided, hey, let's let's see if we can do this. Let's just buy a, a you know small place. We bought a one bedroom condo in Oakland. This was in 1999, and at the time, it was like $186,000, which, you know, for this area, for the Bay Area now, you know, I think the average price in San Francisco, the average is about a million. So so we got in at a really cheap, you know, time, and we were still stressed out of our minds because we'd never bought a place before. Um, But that got us into the market, and that's the key is getting into the market um, is, is the hardest part, getting your first home. From there... We we just we sold it at a uh, and got a nice little premium and then we bought a place in San Francisco and then we bought and sold several times over the years and we just would go into a nicer place a nicer neighborhood. That's good. And at one point, um, we bought a three unit, beautiful one hundred year old Victorian house in the Castro neighborhood in San Francisco, and we bought it with the intention of renting out the two two units, living in one, uh, which we did. And, uh, and then it, in 2008, when the real estate crash and the whole recession came down, we had just bought a, a new condo in a brand new area of San Francisco with the intention of selling the Victorian. Unfortunately, we bought the condo before we sold. And so we ended up with both properties. Long story short, um, we ended up having th- four total units of, of uh, property in San Francisco total net worth of like $3 million with three sets of tenants. And we did it for years. Um, we had great tenants, but eventually it was just a little too much for us. And we, we sold it all. And now we just have this two bedroom condo here in Oakland that we paid for and we're done. Well, that's good. You probably made some good cash on selling those off and further 
uh, funded your early retirement. That's good. Very cool. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. You said you and Allison uh, both have a very good frugal mindset. So obviously, you know, amassing a lot of money is one piece of the puzzle, but remaining frugal and controlling your expenses is another. What sort of strategies do you have for reducing your expenses and, and, and keeping them, I guess, keeping them low to begin with so you could do this early retirement? Yeah, absolutely. So a few things. I mean, I think one is the the topic we just talked about with real estate. So we decided we were going to downsize. So downsizing can be different for different people. You can move to another location, which is essentially what we did moving from San Francisco to Oakland. You could, um, you know, you can move from a three bedroom house to a, a one bedroom condo. Um, you can move to another country. So, so that's one of the things that we did, um, is, is we downsized our home and that saved us quite a bit of money. We also drive an old car. We have a 14 year old, uh, Volkswagen Jetta, we paid for it right when we bought it. So we've never had any car payments. Um, and then, you know, for smaller expenses, we, we go to Costco for all our, our bulk groceries. We, uh, we're fortunate to have a Chinatown area in Oakland that sells all their produce is really cheap. 
We also, um, we go to things like clothing swaps. So we have a friend, um, who lives in, in San Francisco. Her name's Monica. And twice a year, she, uh, she invites all her friends over to her apartment and everybody brings all the clothes that they no longer wear hmm. and dumps it all out. And we all just look through everything and find new clothes that we want to wear. And then anything that's left over, she donates to, um, you know, local charities. So that's great. it's, you know, a lot of things like that. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, I've, I've, I've spoken to and read a lot of other blogs about early retirees that were able to do this earlier in their lives because they were able to live on a small amount of money. Again, we'll use Mr. Money Mustache as an example. He, he and his family live on 25000 to $27,000 a year on annual expenses. Obviously, that sounds pretty difficult for me based on where I'm spending my money right now with me and my <laughs> wife. Um, do you, what, where are you on your annual living expenses? Obviously, you're being frugal, but you've also amassed quite a bit of money uh, to make uh, maybe not living so tight. Obviously, where you live in Oakland is a little more expensive than other parts of the country too. So what, what, what are your annual living expenses? Yeah, I estimate our living expenses about thirty six thousand a year. Okay, so or three thousand a month, and it's kind of a round number. It's not exact, um, but it's close enough, and it's actually probably a little on the high side because I just want to be safe. Yeah, um, but a lot of that is because we paid off our home, so it's really it just covers our our homeowner dues, our insurance, and then all your other stuff like you know food and travel and going out and stuff like that. That's good. Yeah. So when when did the when did the mortgage get paid off? Was that a, a part of the real estate uh, uh, um, collection that you guys had? Yeah. Basically, when, once we made the decision to move from San Francisco to Oakland, we had enough equity in our place in San Francisco to just roll it right into our condo in Oakland and pay it all off without touching any other, any other money. So that was a really big thing for us. And we, we were a little bit fortunate there because the San Francisco market had really started taking off and Oakland hadn't yet. So it, you know, before I was talking about the bad timing we had with the market downturn, this time it was good timing <laughs> where we just happened to catch Oakland. Cause now Oakland's now this hot, this hot neighborhood, this hot city. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Uber is considering moving their headquarters to Oakland wow, and they're already, they already that. bought out this big giant building. Yeah. So, you know, you got all these people that are priced out of San Francisco are now coming over to Oakland. So sometimes it's just a timing thing as well. Very cool. Well, congratulations on where you guys are right now. One, one question that I had that is probably bouncing around in a lot of people's heads. If you have a job, obviously you get a lot of benefits from that. One of the benefits being health insurance. What what do you do for health insurance now that you are early retired? Yeah, so we use what's called Covered California, which is basically California's version of the Affordable Care Act. Okay. So I'm not sure exactly how it's funded, but I think it's a combination of federal Affordable Care Act funds and, and state funds. Um, the good news for us is that here in California is that if the if the ACA or, or Affordable Care Act gets repealed, mm-hmm. we still have covered California for at least 2017 okay. and possibly further than that. So that's what we use right now. And if the Affordable Care Act does get repealed, we're just going to need to keep a close eye on yep. what happens. Okay. So. Okay. We've talked a lot about the nitty gritty details of how you did it and how you're going to continue staying retired. 
Now I want to inspire people and get an understanding of what early retirement life is like. So what's a typical day in the retirement life for you, Dylan? Yes. So I start my day right away with a guilty pleasure of sleeping in. So no longer do I need to get up early and go commute into the city for work. So I sleep in until about nine or nine thirty every morning. Um, I know a lot of people, especially young entrepreneurs, love getting up early and working. For me and my wife, we love to sleep in. So that's how we start our day. And we get up leisurely, eat breakfast. Um, then I'll hop on the computer. I'll check email, social media, check the news to make sure nothing crazy happened. Uh, and then I'll work on my websites. So that's something that I enjoy doing. So I mentioned retired by 45. I also have another website called Experienceify. And that website is all about having cool life experiences. So when we travel, we'll, uh, I'll write about my travel experiences and my adventures on that blog. Uh, then around midday I'll go work out. Like I said, we try to work out every day. So we, in our building, we have a gym and a pool. So every day I'm either at one of the two places after that we eat lunch either in, or there's so many great restaurants nearby. Um, then Alice and I go for a nice walk along the waterfront. We live right along the water here in Oakland. So we do that every day. And then uh, after that, we'll, uh, I, I work on the websites a little bit more. Then we grab dinner. Sometimes we go into San Francisco. A lot of times we just eat at home. And then total couch potato in front of the TV with the cats. Excellent, man. That sounds like a great day. <laughs> that sounds like a great day. Excellent. Not so, bad. So what's your, I guess, what's your favorite aspect of, of being retired? It sounds like the commute back into the city was, was maybe one of your major pain points. What's your, what's, I guess, what's your favorite aspect of it? Yeah, I think if I needed to give you one word on that, it was it would just be freedom. So just having the freedom to do what we want when we want to do it. And of course, not having to commute into the city and deal with um, stress of working and, and office politics and stuff is, is awesome um, and being able to travel. But, you know, I really sort of just define all of that as, as having freedom to do what we want. Excellent. So, uh, Experienceify, that's a cool name. So I, I, I take it that's, uh, um, things that you can do to, to live your life. And then you guys are the example guides for that. So what, what exciting adventures do you and Allison have coming up or things that you've done recently that, that you could share with us? Yeah, sure. So we actually just got back from a five week adventure in Southeast Asia. Um, we were there from early December to mid-January, and we traveled through Thailand and Vietnam and Singapore and Hong Kong and a little bit of China. It was an amazing experience, and I actually wrote about it on Experienceify if anyone's interested. Uh, the, the blog post is called 30 Epiphanies from a 35-Day Epic Southeast Asia Travel Experience. And I had never been to that part of the world, so for me, I, it, a lot of things really blew my mind. And so you can read, read about that. Uh, our next big venture is probably going to be going to Australia and New Zealand at the end of this year. So that's a region, another area of the world that neither, uh, neither of us have ever been to. So we're really excited to, to explore that area. And in between that, we're just going to do some small trips around California. And uh, we still have family back in New York and New Jersey. So, so a trip back there as well. 
Excellent. Well, it sounds like you guys are really living it up and enjoying early retirement together. Congratulations. Thank you. So, yes. So you have a free guide, the one you mentioned earlier in, in our conversation on your website called Seven Steps to a Successful Early Retirement. I will put a link of that on my website so people can know where to go to get that guide. Can you walk us through just at a high level what those seven steps are while we got you on the phone? Yeah, sure. Um, step one is tallying up your assets. So it goes over calculating uh, how much you currently have in savings. Step two is figuring out your expenses. So it'll go over um, helping you figure out how much you're spending every month. The third step is doing the math. So that will show you how to calculate your, your net worth and help you figure out how much you need to cover your expenses in retirement. Uh, the fourth one is building up your nest egg. So I've give, give you some strategies for increasing your income and your savings. Uh, number five, reducing your expenses. And that gets into a, a whole bunch of ideas for reducing your expenses, large, large expenses as well as small ones. Number six is uh, getting even more out of your nest egg. So that um, just provides you some ideas for additional revenue sources once you do retire. And the last one is uh, having a plan B, and that just gives a few survival tips to get you through tricky times that you might find yourself in. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. I will be one of the first people uh, to download this after our conversation today. <laughs> Sounds like a great, <laughs> great resource. Thank you very much. So, Dylan, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I'm uh, really happy for you and Allison and all that you guys are doing together. You're very inspiring. This story hopefully will help a lot of people. Uh, on their journey uh, towards early retirement as well. Where can people find you or follow you and learn more about uh, being an early retiree? What's the best place to, to have a conversation with you? Absolutely. So I'd say the best place is on the retirebyforty45.com website. You can also email me directly at Dylan, and, and I'll spell it because it's a different spelling, D-Y-L-I-N at retirebyforty45.com. Um, and also on the site, I've got links to, uh, Facebook and Twitter. So excellent. Cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Congratulations to Dylan and Allison on creating a life of enjoyment, relaxation, and as Dylan quite aptly put it, a life of freedom, freedom to wake up when you want to freedom to travel the country or the world with the love of your life, freedom to pursue your passions on your terms. Through my conversation with Dylan, one of the keys to success that popped out to me the most was their ability to control their expenses. With a paid-off mortgage and the savvy to shop and eat healthy, yet not pay top dollar, Dylan and Allison are able to live a comfortable life together. Nicole and I have the goal of paying off our mortgage by the end of this year. I'll keep you all updated on our progress, but I'm feeling confident that we'll get there too. It's inspirational stories like Dylan and Allison's that uh, help us to keep moving forward. If you missed some of the resources or links mentioned in today's show, I've got you covered. You can find everything that Dylan and I discussed in the show notes at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 19. On that same link, please leave me a comment 
and tell me what your day would look like if you didn't have a nine to five or a nine to nine for that matter. (laughs) If you're interested in the three steps to 1k challenge I mentioned at the top of the show, remember to head to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash join. This will put you on the list to receive that free guide in March. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Joe Biden. Don't tell me what you value. Show me your budget, and I'll tell you what you value. Let's create the lives we've always wanted, everyone. Carpe diem.